Well, welcome to the Leadership 360 podcast, where we interview real people with real stories about all aspects of leadership. I'm your host, Chris Moore, and thank you for joining us today. Today, my guest is Dun Nguyen. In 1983, Dun arrived in Canada as a landed immigrant after a life-changing journey from Vietnam and two refugee camps in Indonesia. Three years later, he got a part-time job programming computer software while still in grade 10 and learning English as a second language. All that fun and excitement distracted him from his earlier dream of becoming a school teacher. He went on to enjoy a rewarding career in information technology, working with many public and private organizations across North America. In 2006, he founded a leadership and management consulting company based in Western Canada. When 2010 rolled around, he was invited to facilitate business management and leadership courses for universities and colleges. His career took another turn back toward his teenage dream of teaching. Today, he enjoys a dynamic mix of executive coaching, management consulting, university teaching, corporate training, workshop facilitation, and keynote speaking. All of those activities are aimed at helping managers develop their leader within. Dun, welcome to the Leadership 360 podcast. Thank you, Chris. Uh, appreciate the invitation and uh, lovely to join you this uh, fine morning as early as it is. And reading through your bio, I'm thinking, when do you have time to sleep? <laughs> you know, that's uh, one of the things that uh, I'm figuring out is how to uh, sort of maximize my sleep. But uh, but yeah, lots of different uh, <laughs> a lot of different things going on. Uh, I also have music. Uh, I actually also yes. play uh, music professionally in several bands as well, and we play for you know 500 people, 10 course meal. 40, wow. 40 songs a night, uh, 12 singers, uh, international singers comes in, famous singers. So there's the other part of my life, too, that I have not mentioned on the uh, bio there, uh, Chris, that takes a bit of time, too. I always, I always find that, you know, people in technology also have an artistic component or aspect to them, um, whether it's music or painting. And, mm -hmm. you know, technology is very similar to the arts where you're creating things, you know, in, mm -hmm. in some of that. So I see a kind of a crossover in that area. You bet. You bet. So it keeps my brain sort of uh, wired and uh, rewired and uh, a little more active, as they say, use it or lose it. Right. So I'm trying, right. to, uh, trying to not lose it. That's right. It's a muscle. That's right. Well, thank you again for, for joining me today and talking about leadership. And, and I know you've got a lot of knowledge and experience and kind of frontline on that, but just, you know, my first question to you, as I you know, talk to a lot of people about leadership, from your perspective, what are the attributes of, of great leaders? Right, Chris. Well, as you know, there are many, many attributes that uh, make up a great uh, leader. And, and, you know, different leaders uh, have different mix of that. But for the time that we have today, I, I want to focus on, on uh, three really simple things uh, in this segment. One would be, uh, uh, I think the quote comes from Napoleon uh, Bonaparte. I'm not sure if I pronounced his last name uh, correctly, but uh, uh, he talks about, uh, in fact, the quote is, uh, a leader is a dealer in hope. And mm. that really resonates with me uh, because really during tough times in particular, uh, whether it's COVID that we're right. finding ourselves in or uh, during tough times in particular, when, when the chips are down, hope is one of the most important things that any groups or organization uh, really need to develop in, and a leader need to be able to, to provide that. So, so again, mm. leader, uh, as Napoleon said, a leader is a dealer in hope. So again, right. a great leader would be able to cultivate hope and be able to, to maintain and sustain hope and support it. Well, thank you. Yeah. And, and 
you know, when you're talking about change and when people are going through, you know, grief and loss and some of those things, the, you know, kind of the end state of that is the hope of the future Mm -hmm. and knowing that there's something more or something better. And I'm sure you've been having conversations with people, you know, in this time and people talk about, you know, going back to normal. I don't think we're going back anywhere. It's -hmm. really, you know, we're here. We've had to make a, a lot of adjustments that, you know, initially probably felt very strange and now we're kind of just, you know, common day to day. And then, you know, what, what does the future look like and what is that, you know, what are we going to versus going back to, you know, some of the way things were. So yeah, hope is, yeah. is a fantastic attribute. Yeah. Yeah. I have a couple more in, in this area that I'd like to share, but uh, yeah. you mentioned, you mentioned, uh, you know, what are we going back to and, and is it going to be exactly the same thing as before? Uh, right. That moment there, I didn't think about this earlier on, but uh, right. That moment I was thinking of that movie. I'm sure all of us know that movie and that's back to the future. You know, right. when, when, when you go back to the future, uh, what are all, what, what does it really mean? Uh, right. Uh, so in this case, we're going to get back into our, uncertain future and we don't know for sure we don't know for sure it's going to be exactly the way we imagine it would be and 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 in some ways i would hope that it's not exactly the way we imagine it would be because Mm. uh uh, one thing that i learned over the years is that uh during times of significant change uh we have a new reality and in that new reality we have the opportunity to to really create new things in a fresh way that wasn't possible before so part of me obviously is very uh very compassionate about the pain that that we all are experiencing in various ways with COVID, uh, part of me is also excited about the new future that is is to be determined. So so that, yeah. Uh, The the second thing I would say about Great Leader is um, uh, I have a quote. If you look at my website, there's a quote that that I have that I coined that that goes like this. It says, uh, confident, okay? Confident is more, uh, confidence is more powerful when mixed with a the right dose of humility so so mm. great leaders i find have that 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 right mix right they're very confident uh, and yet they're very um exhibiting a lot of humility so, so a good mix mm. of that uh, in the right, right context right yeah no that's fantastic yeah yeah, yeah. And, and the third thing that i wanted to maybe talk about is uh uh a great leader have uh, what stems from understanding, but then it grows into compassion. So, so compassion would be the third thing that I want to highlight, right? Uh, they're compassionate towards their people that they are serving and, and people who are following them and people who are on the team. So again, the, the three things that I chose to kind of uh, highlight at this point is uh, leaders, a, a dealer of hope. A leader is, uh, uh, you know, have a good mix of confidence and humility and a leader really is good at uh, being compassionate towards uh, the people that they are leading and serving. Uh, yeah, for sure. And compassion and empathy are so important. And then people know when a leader doesn't exhibit those things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the people around the leader sometimes hope that the leader becomes a little more compassionate, a little more empathetic towards, you know, and, and sometimes a little more human. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, I mean, I've heard people talk about that. So what are some of the things that you've learned from from great leaders, people you've worked with or worked for or clients, you know, broad broad spectrum? 
Yeah. Well, I thought about this question a little bit. And, and as I think about great leaders, I'm going to expand the definition to go well beyond what people might be thinking as great leaders. I'm going to start with my mom. I'm going to start right. with my mom. I, I think of her often in the last few days in particular because she's in the hospital right now. And uh, she's, uh, you know, over 80 years old and uh, has some uh, significant challenges that are being taken care of in the hospital. And we're hoping that she'll be back um, home today or tomorrow. But as I think of my mom in terms of leadership, uh, uh, she is very well respected. She's very well loved. She is uh, very well, um, uh, we follow, uh, you know, her in many, many different ways. And, and what I, when I think about, you know, what makes her unique and special that way when it comes to her leadership style, uh, I, I would say it boils down to servant leadership. And she serves all of us in such a way that, uh, we can't help but uh, but be influenced by her presence and influenced by her words and her actions. So, so again, in this case, I want to highlight the importance mm. of uh, servant leadership. As we know, right. there are books out there that says that there's five levels of leadership and, and servant leadership is among the top of that level. And, and I see a lot of leaders uh, in, in what we might call uncommon places where they're not necessarily at the top of uh, huge organizations or anything like that, uh, mm. but, but they are wonderful leaders and I think about uh, remember that uh, movie um, uh, that show that show in the 80s when I first came to Canada and was learning English I, I watched right. MASH remember MASH right. yeah oh yeah who, who was who was the exemplary leader that you can think about in that show when I ask my uh, you know students that when I teach university and colleges I, I teach many of the courses there and uh, they would you know different names and whatnot and right. I say it's radar radar right to me, exemplify leadership. And, and in Radar, we have servant leadership. We have humility. Mm -hmm. We have compassion. We have all of those things that I sort of mentioned so far and we'll mention some more. So, so you know, leaders that are very powerful and very influential uh, are not necessarily in powerful positions that we typically think of. Yeah, that's, that's um, great, great observation and, you know, very true. And you, you think of, like, your mother, you know, kind of leading the family and providing examples and, and, you know, teaching, um, very, uh, very thoughtful. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. You bet. One more example of great leader that I like to share, and that is my mm -hmm. uh, former employer before I started my company. So in 2000 and, uh, actually it was 1994, 1994, right. I left a, a, a Alberta government job to actually uh, start with a consulting company. And the owner of that company, Mr. Herman Lusink, will always be in my heart. Mm. It will always be in my heart. And his leadership style and the way he led uh, that company uh, was really special. And uh, I can think of many different special reasons why when, when I, 12 years later, after giving him 150% of my, of my effort and, and time, right. uh, 12 years later, I, I started my own company. I started my own management consulting company. And I said to him, Herman, it's time for me to, to uh, start on my own, just like I said I would 12 years ago. And he said, you know, we, we bless you, Dune, and we're going to support you. Uh, and he did. Uh, he went and... Uh, Actually, he said, Dune, did, do, do you have any contracts? He gave me my first two contracts. He, he gave oh, me wow. a big, throw, you know, going away party. And, yeah. uh, you know, the, the thing that, that stands out about Herman, uh, among many, many other things, is that he invested in people. He invested right. in people uh, who, you know, 
would appear to many others as not worthy of that investment. So I get teared up a bit when I think about uh, think about Herman and what he's able to do. But really, uh, it's that whole idea of investing in your people. So that would be sure. another example of a great leader. Yeah, and you know the example—not like what Herman did for you and with you, but also the example that he showed you gave you the opportunity to, you know, not just appreciate that and benefit from it personally, but choose to replicate that, you know, and, and a lot of, a lot of the time people, leaders do that just because they know it's the right thing to do. They don't expect, you know, other people to kind of copy them, but, um, but, but people do because you, you know, you see the power in, in what he did and how he helped you and how probably mm-hmm. how he's helped other people. Yeah, if I can extend on that a little bit. So, so mm-hmm. when I uh, did my MBA back in 2001, uh, literally a few days after 9-11 was when I started my MBA, mm-hmm. uh, you know, while working full time, traveling internationally uh, with Herman's company, Computronics. And, and Herman says to me, uh, you know, Dune, we're going to support you in this. We're going to pay for all your costs of the MBA uh, and you don't owe me anything by the end of it. This is just, you know... Um, uh, acknowledgement of the value that you provided uh, to us. And right. so uh, here's a person who uh, most, uh, I don't know if it's most, but many managers that I know, many owners that I know would kind of say, oh, well, I'm going to invest in your education, but but you have to promise to stay here for right. you know, yeah, five right. years. You know, they, they work yeah. out a deal, right? Um, yeah, that's yeah. not how Herman thinks at all. Herman thinks in yeah. terms of the long term and, and he right. thinks uh, in terms of people and in terms of uh, what's right for people. And uh, so that would be another example. He just says, mm-hmm. you know, Dune, uh, uh, be happy to invest in all of your, your costs for the MBA, happy to, you know, be flexible with your hours. And uh, frankly, you work too much already anyway. <laughs> and, right. uh, and go ahead and, and do that. And we support you and, and uh, you don't owe us anything. And then uh, that, you know, again, it's those kinds of examples that after 12 years of uh, giving mm-hmm. my best to the company, when I told them that I was moving on to, to actually build my own company, to start my own company, it was time. Uh, I had tears mm-hmm. running down my eyes. I had tears. Yeah. 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 So a couple of personal questions. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you learned about yourself lately? It's funny. Uh, you mentioned it earlier, actually, and it's about sleep, actually. And uh, right, right. I'm not, I'm not getting any younger, right? I, uh, right. I'm in my 50s now. And uh, some people will say, uh, I don't look 50. Some people, when they look at my gray hair, they say, you look 65, dude. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if I dye my hair. If well, I every, dye everybody, my get, hair. everybody gets a break right now on, uh, yeah. on, on hairstyles. <laughs> yeah. So, so sleep, I think, is the one that I'm going to be more um, mindful of. Right. Uh, it's not new information to me. I have always known that sleep is an important part of life and sleep is an important part of high performance and on and on and right. on and on. However, as I reflect on it, I, I do say to myself that uh, I do need to uh, really focus more on, on getting really good sleep and uh, solid uh, kind of what they call deep sleep. And so that would be right. one thing that, that I'm going to action over the next while here in my oh, 50s good. is to, 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 to have more sleep. That's yeah, one. That's great. I like to uh, see that, that the, that's the first one that comes to mind. The other one that, that comes to mind about what I learned about myself is I have learned, uh, interestingly enough, that I am, uh, see, 
I'll tell you a quick story. A few yeah. years ago, a few years ago, when I got back into playing music after 11 years of being too busy for it, I also got asked to play in, in several Vietnamese band, bands. Right. And the Vietnamese bands. Uh, now, for 30 years, I, I didn't listen to any Vietnamese music. I just, you know, got right. engrossed in education and work yeah, and yeah. corporate life here and whatnot. So I, I sort of unplugged from that other than with my, my family. But when I got back into playing music for all of these, uh, you know, even famous singers from all over the world being booked into mm-hmm. Edmonton. And, right. you know, we would play a concert uh, uh, some of the concerts are like $100 a ticket or something like that, yeah, 500 yeah. people. Uh, when I do all of that, it just, I'm learning how uh, the Vietnamese culture is resonating with me in a new and fresh ways that I kind of ignored for about 30 years wow, uh, of yeah. my life. So, so I have a bit of a uh, reconnecting with my roots, if you can call it that. And sure. uh, yeah, so that would be another lesson about myself is that. Uh, uh, for 30 years, I kind of uh, left that part of me sort of behind and said, you know, in Canada, there's English, there's all of the cultures here. Uh, I was fully immersed in Canada. I literally mm-hmm. went to school two hours after I landed in Canada, two hours, wow. after, not knowing a word of English. I was in school, so I was fully immersed in a town that yeah. no one else spoke uh, the language that I, I was born and raised in. So I was fully immersed. But um, one of the lessons lately is that being plugged into the Vietnamese community and specifically the, the music community mm, within right. the Vietnamese community has really added another element to my life in a way that I did not expect. Right, right, yeah. And music, much like language, is it kind of you know cuts to who you are, you know, deep inside. And, and a lot of you know, people some people talk about, you know, what's what's your mother tongue. Another way to say that is what's your heart language? Like mm-hmm. what, you know, what, what's that language that you were born into and what's the language that, you know, your, your family speaks. But mm-hmm. so interesting for you that, you know, music has become, you know, part of, part of that and a bit of a, you know, new part of what you're doing too. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very interesting. Very. So you speak multiple language and you, you, you play multiple different, uh, Yes. Musical genres. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In uh, multiple kinds of bands. Uh, I play right. in uh, sometimes some worship bands, uh, you know, like uh, sometimes churches, sometimes even right. uh, for, for temples. Uh, you know, if, if temples need uh, music service and, and they call on me to be the music uh, musician, uh, I'm right. quite happy to do that and have done that. So in many different uh, contexts, I play music. Mm-hmm. I play music with hundreds of uh, musicians in the local Edmonton area. I play with music uh, in all kinds of different languages. Interestingly enough, French was my second language. So, so you know, hmm. when I was in grade six in Vietnam, they offered you three languages option in grade seven. You know, you can take French, you can take uh, Russian, you can take uh, uh, English. I said, well, Russian, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, why would you ever need to speak English? So I took French and I took French <laughs> grade six. I finished. And right after that, I escaped Vietnam. One of those boat people back in the eighties wow. came to Canada, yeah. you know, two refugee camps in energy. Uh, so, so the idea is you don't know sometime what you need to learn. And, uh, you know, right. grade six, I, I never thought I would need to learn English. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> there's, there's so much of the world you don't understand, you know, at, at, at that age. Mm-hmm. So, you know, talking about your younger self, you know, what, what leadership advice would you have given your younger self? You, you know, because there's a, a lot you've learned, you know, yeah. since, since you've been here and some of the things you've done. So I think I will give the same advice that I often give to many folks that I mentor, 
right. I, I used to uh, mentor a lot of project managers and I used to mentor a lot of uh, uh, professionals at uh, various levels. And now I do some executive coaching. And, and uh, you know, one of the things that I say to them and I, I'm saying to myself, uh, I would say to myself in, in sort of the younger years is, is uh, in complex situations, slow down if you mm-hmm. want to be more effective. Slow down if you want to be more effective. I see so many project managers, as an example, uh, believe that that action somehow equate to uh, progress and action somehow uh, equate to success. Uh, you know, and I say, well, not necessarily. Actions uh, and the the speed of that action may or may not equate to uh, success if you're not clear about uh, where you're heading and how, which go path to take and whatnot. So again, right. slow down if you want to be more effective, especially if the situation is complex. Right. Yeah, great advice. So another thing is uh, I've learned over the years, uh, you know, early in my career as I used to, uh, like many of us young, you know, kids, we say, oh, questions are bad. I want to be certain about everything. Yeah, I don't want to have questions. Uh, right. You know, I feel bad when I have questions. And as I grow older, I realize that, in fact, questions is my greatest service to my clients. Questions mm-hmm. are my greatest service to the people I, that I coach uh, and so on. So questions, as they say, are the spark plug of conversation. So, so questions allow us to uh, allow someone else to uh, have deeper thoughts about an area that they may otherwise not. So, so we want to be that spark of the conversation. So right. I, I learned right. that I would say to my, my younger self, uh, you know, uh, ask more questions and be happy when you generate uh, really good questions. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's fantastic advice. I, I like to encourage people to ask, you know, open-ended questions that lead to understanding. So that's really what you're talking mm-hmm. about, helping people to think and making people think. You bet. And one more thing that I would add, uh, you know, if I was to go back to the past, uh, a la Michael J. Fox, and be able to right. talk to my old uh, former self, uh, young Dune, I would say, you know, in order to lead people anywhere, you need to meet them where they're at. Uh, you, got, right. you need to meet people where they are. So, so oftentimes, when I was young, I, I was so focused on what I knew. I was focused on on the future that I want to take them to. I, I did not take enough time to really meet people where they are. And I realized, you know, as I grow older and, and learn more lessons, that, that you can't leave anybody anywhere until you, you, you meet them where they are. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so true. So very true. So love to talk to people about uh, fear and courage because, you know, I, I see that in people and in leaders and would love your perspective on, mm-hmm. on that fear or courage or both. Mm-hmm. You know, when I think about fear, uh, you can imagine being 13 years old back in the early 80s and uh, decided to put my life on lo- the line and saying to my mom, mom and dad, I want to uh, take this journey. I want to risk my life. Mom and dad says, you know, you realize you might not live to see the, uh, the morning, right? I said, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, I realize that. It's still worthwhile to pursue this, uh, you know, vision that I have uh, of Canada and the freedom that it offers and, and the life that I had envisioned. Having grown up in Vietnam, you know, war-torn, war-torn and very uh, restricted in many ways. Uh, in those days, uh, you know, freedom mm-hmm. and, and, and uh, many different uh, elements, right? And so, don't get me wrong, I was quite happy. Uh, I learned earlier in life that, that, that happiness is quite separate than freedom. Happiness right. is quite separate than, in fact, uh, prosperity or, or, or any of those things. So I was happy. I, as a, a kid, I've always had a happy life. 
but I knew that that you know freedom and opportunity and other things that I envisioned uh, mm-hmm. weren't in that case putting my my own life on the line, literally on the line. And so through that journey, I have learned uh, this idea of uh, you know, do you have a vision of new land that is so compelling? that you're willing to lose sight of known shores. Now, up right. to the age of 13, the shores I known were, you know, Saigon, Vietnam, and uh, uh, we were live right by the ocean there, a beautiful, mm. beautiful, um, you know, oceanside uh, country, it's just border on the ocean. And, and uh, you know, that was the life I knew. That was a life that I uh, was happy at and, and uh, very much a happy childhood. But I had such a powerful and compelling vision, and that vision really compel me to deal with the fear that was involved in the journey that I had in mind and allows me to navigate through it in a way that makes sense. And so I would, again, just summarize by saying, uh, rather than saying, uh, you know, I I want to just build up the courage. Um, No, I would just Mm -hmm. encourage people to say, you want to clarify the vision. You want to clarify the vision. Because once you have a clear vision of something so compelling, you will be able to manage your fear a lot better. So that's one idea. Mm. No, thank you. I can't imagine thinking about the, you know, the journey that you went on and, and, you know, and then you think about your parents, right? Like letting you go. Yeah. Um, You know, huge, uh, huge challenges, you know, either way. And that has an effect on people. And, but I always, you know, I'm, I'm always respectful of people that, you know, leave their country of birth, their country of origin and go somewhere else because it takes, um, you know, to your point, you know, a lot of vision, a lot of drive, you know, purpose, dealing with, you know, leaving people and leaving everything, you know, behind going to something new. Like, like you said, when you got to Canada, two years after you landed, you were in school, you know, it must've felt two hours. Sorry, sorry, two, yeah, two hours. It must've felt surreal to some degree. Right. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So very, yeah. You know, I, I uh, because of that, I have learned that adversity is a great teacher. Adversity is a great uh, innovation spark. And so right. as we look at right. COVID here and all the adversity <laughs> that we're facing, right. part of me is saying this is our opportunity to really learn things that we otherwise would not learn. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and you know, anticipating what's coming next, right? I, mm-hmm. I have this vision of you at your front door, you know, just looking for adversity to come down the street because, <laughs> you know, after that is new opportunity, right? Or, or new challenges yeah. and yeah. things to do and things to learn. Yeah. So what, um, what leadership advice would you give our, our audience listening today? Just kind of sum it all up. Yeah, I'm going to sum it up by saying different words slightly than, than I've been saying, but it really is aiming at the same thing. And right. so I, I I, um, if you look at my website, you will see that uh, I, I talk about the four pillars of leadership. And, and the first pillar is vision. So, so I, I would say to the audience, make sure if you want to really lead in a big way, in a powerful way, in a meaningful way, make sure you work on that vision. So, so you want to lead with vision, uh, clear, clarify the vision for yourself help others see the vision, help others embrace the vision, help others actually redefine and, and sharpening the vision for you and with you and really focus on that, that, that clarity of vision. So the first thing is, is lead with vision. Right. The next thing is, uh, I say, lead with uh, empathy. 
lead with empathy. I mentioned empathy earlier, and I'm just going to underscore it again here. We as leaders have to be very empathetic about the people that uh, we're leading and the people who are impacted by the things that we are leading, mm. uh, external stakeholders and whatnot. So, so the level of understanding and empathy uh, you know, allows us to lead at the next level. I'd like right. to, to, to tell you a quick story about this, perhaps uh, maybe at the end, right after I finish my four items, if we have a- Yeah, sure, two, absolutely. Uh, Chris. So, so again, lead with uh, empathy, which requires understanding, of course. Uh, right. The next thing is to lead with commitment, right? Lead with commitment. You have to be committed to your vision, committed to do whatever it takes and, and put you know uh, yourself through sacrifices if necessary and put yourself at risk if necessary, uh, committed right. to that vision. And, and help people find ways to find their own path to commitment. So again, lead with commitment is the third item there. And the last item that I like to share, again, you know, I could come up with a list of 12, list of 10, list right. of 20. I've chosen to go with the list of four here. So the, the fourth item is lead with integrity. And we know that, that leaders who have integrity um, are more powerful. In this case, I, I speak about integrity being things like, uh, you know, who they are mm -hmm. is who they appear to be. Uh, right. What they say is what they are doing. And it's in alignment of many different things. So integrity is, uh, you know, the wholeness of the person, right? right. Uh, bring, uh, you know, part of that is also to bring your real self to, to work and bring your real mm -hmm. self yeah. home. And uh, right. I've learned so much from... Uh, from having 12 management consultants uh, as employees for a number of years that I, I would never trade that for any amount of money or profit. The learning right. that you get from, from leading a group of people and be able to actually shine a light into you know, your own learning and be able to take it home and actually be better at home mm -hmm. with my wife and kids, I would right. never trade that. And uh, So yeah, I, I, again, the four things, lead with vision, lead with empathy, lead with commitment, and lead with integrity. And uh, you know, when, if you have a minute or two, I would love to share a story about lead with understanding. At the yeah, absolutely. Time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, did you want to do that now? Sure, you bet. Uh, so, um, you know, I used to be uh, traveling, I used to travel all over North America, did a lot of sales and whatnot. Uh, and uh, I used to think I was pretty good at sales until one day I, I bought a set of cassette tapes. Remember those things, folks? Some of yes. our viewers, yeah, yeah. listeners. <laughs> okay, cassette tapes at a garage sale. It was a dollar for 12 packs of cassette tapes. And it was about counselor selling. And, and I listened to the 12 tapes. And, and, you know, I don't remember anything about anything else. I only remember one quote. Again, right. uh, the value of learning isn't how much you learn. It's about how powerful the learning is. In this case, right. that one piece of information out of the 12 cassette tapes that I rewound and rewound um, was actually this. And uh, the quote goes like this. It says, people don't buy your products or services necessarily because they fully understand it. They buy your products or services because they, they believe that you understand them as the people, not, not right. products or services. So again, people don't buy your products or services necessarily because they fully understand it. They buy your products or services is because they believe that you understand them. Now that changed how I sell, that changed how I influence, that changed how I lead because my first order of business in selling, influence, and leading is understanding. Understand right. the people and their challenges, their context, and, and their, all of that. The more I can understand and convey that I understand them and having them sort of really absorb the fact that I do understand them, then I have 
certain amount of influence. Uh, before I before I fully understand them and convey that, I have no real influence. Right. So I would call that a, a nugget of, of wisdom. So thank you so much for, for sharing that from that dollar purchase at the garage sale, listening to all those tapes. But not just that, but applying it, mm -hmm. right? Because clearly you applied that to to your work after after you came to understand that. Mm -hmm. Well, June, thank you so much for your time and uh, the early morning uh, chat and for being on the podcast today. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Chris. Uh, best wishes to you and your family during these uh, challenging times and best wishes to all of your listeners out there as well over these uh, COVID challenging times. Here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, stay safe for sure. This has been Leadership 360 with my guest, Dun Nguyen. Join me again for more inspiring stories about leadership from real people. The Leadership 360 podcast is sponsored by The Leadership Academy, your trusted partner in leadership development from coaching to consulting and on-site facilitation. Please visit our website, theleadershipacademy.ca.